In this episode of Creative Confidential, I speak with marketing professional and weekly morning call columnist, William Childs. Bill and I talk about creativity, the need for creativity in the workplace, and how that can help propel businesses forward. Are you ready? Here we go. You're listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Tuck. Brian is a social entrepreneur and attorney who focuses on startup companies, nonprofit organizations, and arts and entertainment law issues. Creative Confidential starts now. Bill, thanks so much for joining us today on Creative Confidential. It's great to be able to talk to you. Hey, glad to be here, Brian. You're, uh, you wear many hats, like many of the guests on this show. We have, you know, generally, if you look back on the old episodes, you'll see two or three things that describe uh, the guests. I know that um, you you work in marketing, but you're also a weekly columnist, which is really, I think, what connected us together. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your weekly column with The Morning Call. Sure. Well, I spent uh, 17 years working at the morning call, primarily in advertising. I wasn't, uh, it wasn't an editorial, but I've always been kind of known, uh, for my, my, my creativity and my design. And I was always someone that was known to be comfortable pushing concepts. I was never someone that was, uh, you know, well, that's good enough. That was never, that was never me. So I think once I, I, I left the morning call in uh, 2015 and I, I joined trifecta, they hired a new publisher down there and met this uh, this man, Mr. Robert York, met him at several functions, and he asked me if I would ever consider writing a column for the morning call. And I was taken back a little bit because I was like, wow, well, yeah, I, I would love to. And when I said, can I write about creativity? And he said, absolutely, we wouldn't want you to write about anything else. And I said, great, let's do it. And I've been writing now, um, I think it's going on a year, and it's it's primarily on creativity and how creativity can be used in business to drive revenue and 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 be a powerful tool for change and innovation. But sometimes I kind of veer off and I, I bring in topics on um, on leadership, or I will profile entrepreneurs. Certainly, a lot of creativity that goes in into uh, being an entrepreneur. So it's been it's been really fun and fulfilling, and and I enjoy it. Well, I think in the last. You know, and, and I you'll you'll be able to expound on on this more than I. But it used to be that creativity, I think, as a discipline, for lack of a better uh, phrase, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's such a soft thing in that it cannot be quantified. It's not accounting or statistics. It can't really be measured in any kind of objective way like it's like return on investment can or your cost of goods sold or something like that. And as a result, it was really not ever, you know, certainly when I was in, um, you know, when I was in undergrad in the, in the nineties, it it was not in the business curriculum at any, you know, business school that I, you know, either me or or that my friends had, had, you know, had gone to. Sure. Uh, How has that changed? Oh man, I'll tell you, I think, Creativity has gotten a bad rap because when you mention it, that word, and you mention it to, you know, 
and again, I don't want a blanket statement here, but most business people, not all, most, you know, you can, the eyes start to roll in the back of the head. And I think what they start to think of is like, oh, you mean you're going to go sit on your beanbag chair, stare into your lava lamp and, uh, you know, just pretend that you're working. That's what you're going to call creativity. And that actually doesn't sound too bad. I, I... <laughs> yeah, I don't have a beanbag chair, but I do have a <laughs> lava lamp. So, but um, yeah. I don't stare into it longingly looking for my next idea. Um, I actually get out the, the the Sharpie and the notebook and kind of that's when I that's where I go to work on my creativity. But it's it really has it's starting to kind of get be taken seriously as as a driver of of change and, and economic force. You know, the the best business people, I think, are the ones that that understand its power and will create an environment in their workspace to allow it to flourish. And you will see results from it. Um, I, I can. I have a multitude of examples that, that I, I hope I get to, to share some of them with you on just, you know, what can happen when uh, a leader sets that environment up to allow that creativity to flourish. And it's not like anything that the leader has to be, you know, some creative guru. They just have to be comfortable in allowing people to share ideas openly, um, not not uh, tell people that, you know, or, or, or um, what's the word I'm looking for, with fear. Here, stigmatize mistakes. In other words, there's in creativity sometimes, you know, you come up with an idea, it, you know, trumpets aren't going to come out of the sky and like signal the fact that you've just hit upon, you know, the great, a great idea. You have, they have, it has to be worked. You know, it has to be kind of developed. It has to be, it has to be supported because sometimes, so many times, ideas are so fragile when they first come out of someone's brain that anybody that just goes, oh, well, we've tried that already. That didn't work or that'll never work. And that's just like, just the worst thing you could say, you know, to somebody who took the risk to share an idea and it just it just dies right there on the spot. And leaders, leaders have to set that environment to not to not allow that to happen. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot packed into what you just said. And I think one of the most important things is that if you are, you know, if you're running a startup or, um, you know, mid-sized company or, or a large company sure. for that matter if you are at the top of the food chain so to speak or if you're in a leadership position you have to set you have to create the conditions mm -hmm. for things to happen um, I think if you have good people and you can facilitate what they're supposed to be doing and then let them do it um, you're going to get much better results ultimately it will fall to your bottom line but it, it can't, people have to be, you know, loose, relaxed, not afraid mm -hmm. of sure. uh, getting people over that fear of failure. You know, when you speak to people, adults, you know, whether they're high school kids, college or, or adults, um, even experienced business people, you ask them what their number one fear is uh, besides any kind of like weird phobias or something. Sure. But, you know, generally they tell you it's public speaking. Mm. And I think... Uh, that has a lot of this wrapped into it. You know, the fear of failure or the fear of what other people may think. And, you know, if you're brainstorming an idea for a new product or service, you have to be able to drop that and, you know, throw out 10 ideas. Most of them will be garbage, mm -hmm. but there might be one really good one sure. in that group. Well, and you just have look to at keep how, grinding away. Look at how our educational system is set up, you know, I went through it. You went through it. You know, we're rewarded 
when we are given the correct answer or when we provide the correct answer to the teacher, the person in authority, ultimately, who's going to become that boss that we're going to work for. And there's really no class that just talks about, you know, uh, free ideas, free thought, free thinking, um, where, you know, if you're going to if you're going to, you know, say something or or present an idea, I I totally agree with you. There's not not everyone, not everything that you're going to say is going to be gold, you know, but you'd be surprised how sometimes you can get a good, good idea on the way back from a bad one. So people have to be comfortable and, and leaders have to set that table to allow that type of innovation to happen. And I just, I just think that leaders don't do enough of that. And you end up with people who have the ideas, they're sitting on them, but they just don't want to, um, talk about them because for fear of feeling like they would be they would be chastised or they would be you know you know said that you know you shouldn't be thinking about that stuff concentrate on this or that's not your department you know stay in your lane stay in your silo and creativity doesn't doesn't kind of work like that because ideas can come from anyone anyone and anywhere at any time and the more receptive you are to that the better you're the more successful you will be I, I guarantee it without a doubt well, and I think often the best, you know, the the most, um, I'm going to get away from using the word disruption. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to think maybe it's not as healthy a thing as uh, people are, are making it out to be. But I mean, the most, you know, groundbreaking ideas tend to come from outside of, you know, if you have a department with people that have been in there for 10 years um, they're used to doing things a certain yep. way. They have, uh, they all have a shared history with the organization as to what has happened before. And as a result, that's going to kind of draw a boundary around what they're willing to consider. I know we're talking in the abstract. We'll bring it home with a, with some examples in a minute, but you know, often you get the new, it's the new person. It's, it's the intern or, somebody who's coming at it from a completely different angle and goes, well, why, why are you all, you know, why are you doing this? Why don't you look at it this way? Why don't you? Well, that's, that's right where creativity starts. Right. And what Mm -hmm. happens is people, people don't even get to asking that first question because now you're, Ooh, now you're, you're, you're in, (laughs) you're, you're asking me to put my head up above the the cubicle and kind of like start to look around. And I guess they get the sense that people who put their heads up, get them, get them kind of like, you know, chopped off. So I'm just going to keep my head down. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to go home. And I think it's a shame. I think that, I think that there's a lot of people that are sitting on a lot of good ideas in these companies that just aren't, they're just not in an environment where they feel comfortable to share them, you know? And to add to that, I I was at a speech recently, I think it was um, in January with Jeff Hoffman, who was one of the co-founders of Priceline. And he talked about how, innovation usually happens when you look outside your own industry and he gave an example uh in the 50s of this of this guy that was uh kind of driving around and he he noticed that he could never get into his bank his bank always was so crowded there was always so many people at this bank and someone in this bank had decided we're going to create we're going to we're going to knock a hole in the wall we're going to put up a drive-through so cars can just kind of and this this person worked in um in the restaurant business and he went into the bank and he said, hey, what's going on with the construction and the thing? And the and they said, oh, we're putting a drive through in so people can just get in their car, stay in their car and just drive through and do their banking. And that was an innovation that he went back and added into his restaurant. 
And that was, I forget the gentleman's name, I could look it up, but that was the birth of kind of the drive-through window for restaurants. That came from the banking industry. But think about if you said to somebody who works in, um, you know, you have somebody who works in finance, ask them if they want to go to a, a seminar on production or, you know, manufacturing. They'd be like, why, why would I do that? I work, in man- I work in finance. That makes no sense. But yet it makes perfect sense because that's where all the new ideas are. The one, right? If you spend, right. yeah, yeah, you're spending absolutely. all your time looking at finance, yeah, you're, you're, you might be learning about some, some new things that are happening within finance, but get yourself out of that space, go into someone's totally other, you know, space and just be open to what you, what you can learn. That's, that's creativity right there. Just that alone, you could come back with five, 10, 15 great ideas that you would have never gotten sitting at your desk. Well, I think that it can start, you know, if, if you have young people that you can influence, you know, the best thing you can do for those people, I think, is get them to get out of their comfort zone. So in other words, if they are, you know, tip, uh, primarily interested in sports, you know, have them take an art class. If they're primarily interested in theater, have them take you know, try out for the track team or do something unrelated, whether it, whether it doesn't really matter what it is. It just matters that it's completely outside the subject matter that they feel comfortable in. And I, and I always tell this to, um, you know, I, I teach, uh, you know, I, I teach, I've been a drummer for a long time and I still have private students that I have a handful of. And, you know, the thing to them, my, one of my major overarching rules is, you know, if you keep, if you feel comfortable, then you're not going to grow, whether it's as a person or as a player. So if you're used to performing certain tasks at a certain speed, well, crank the speed up and see what happens. You know, you, you see that in track and, you know, in, in running a lot, if, if, you know, if you're stuck at running a 10 minute mile, try doing some short sprints and, you know, for a couple of weeks and that will, you know, get you out of the headspace you were in. And now maybe you can run nine and a half minutes, Absolutely. you know, or, or Absolutely. nine, nine forty five, whatever it is. Do you ever hear people, you know, when I, when I talk to, and if I say like, oh yeah, you know, I've done, I've done art or I've worked, you know, I'm an artist, I've done, done drawings and they'll say, oh man, I, I can't even draw a straight line. And I say, oh, well, you know, do you practice drawing? Oh no, no, not at all. Well, well then how would you expect to get better at drawing a straight line if you don't even practice drawing a straight line it's you get better at what you you put your energy on and what you practice so you know i i also think that sometimes creativity gets a um kind of a a rap that it's only just used in in art you know and it's not you know and it's something we all have we all have it in inherently in us it's just the people who have decided to hey you know what i'm gonna tap into this i'm gonna let this kind of uh kind of come out and roam around and i'm gonna run with it and play with it and see where it goes that that get better at it that's that's all it comes down to because we all have the ability to be creative it's just which one of us want to work at it more and i i will certainly admit that i you know i'm still learning i'm 32 33 years into this into this career and every day i'm still learning because the day i stop learning is the day that it's i'm done i might as well just you know call it call it quits so you never really stop learning. And to your point about 
being comfortable or uncomfortable, um, that's something I wish I would uh, I would have known when I was starting out in my career. Is if someone could have said to me, "Hey, get comfortable with being uncomfortable," because boy, does that that just puts you in a whole different mind space when you can mm-hmm. kind of get your head around that. And that doesn't mean you know fear, be afraid. It just means be be willing to kind of improvise, be willing to kind of take on new opportunities that you might not feel comfortable with. Take those on. That's where the growth lives. That's where you're going to learn. When you take on something that you're not good at, trust me, and you stick with it, you're going to get better at it. Um, Talking about that public speaking, you know, people will say like, oh, really wish I could public speak. Okay, well, we'll go do it. It doesn't mean you have to go from from, you know, saying you want to public speak to speaking in a in a in an arena with 20,000 people, you know, maybe find mm-hmm. something a little a little a little uh, smaller, you know, maybe go talk to a chamber or a commerce and or, or go back to a class that you were, you know, something find an opportunity to to allow yourself to do it and and then see how you feel. You know, I guarantee that your first time out isn't going to be you're not going to hit a home run. You're not going to go from who where you are to like a Tony Robbins level. But just take those steps and just, you know, don't don't beat yourself up if you feel like, wow, I totally blew that. Okay, well, what did you kind of like analyze it? Look at what you did wrong, what you want to improve, and then fix it for the next time. And then the next time after that, and then the next time after that, before you know it, you're public speaking, like anywhere. And it's, that's, I think, you know, that's that. And in fact, I just told you the story of how I did it. That that was me. I went back to my, my Votech class um, back in, I think it was 99. I wanted to get better at public speaking and I had never done it. So I went to my Votech class and I asked the teacher, would you mind if I came in and talked to the students? And she said, absolutely. We'd love to have you. Came in. I'm not going to lie. It was terrible. My voice cracked. I was all over the place. Um, I walked out of there going, wow, that was a whew, that was a disaster. I got back to my desk. There was a message from uh, to me that said, uh, kids loved you. When will you come back? When will you do that again? So I was like, wow, that gave me the confidence to want to do it again. Because if I had not gotten that that email or that phone call, I don't know if I would have done it again because I was I was was pretty bad. So the next time I went up, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to bring some some liquid along so I don't get a dry cotton mouth. I'm going to put my notes on four by five cards, did that. And then my voice didn't crack as much. Hmm, Look at that. Got better at it. And then I just kept going just kept going with it because I wanted to get better at it. But the first couple times I did it, not pretty. I think the theme that I hear emerging is that there is very little that cannot be solved by elbow grease and repetition, right? Absolutely. I mean, if, Absolutely. if, if, if yes. you're fearful or, or uncomfortable with public speaking, you know, there are, there's all kinds of like Toastmasters and Rotary Club and, you know, there sure. are th- pl- ways that you can practice and yes. by the time you get a handful or a dozen or 20 or 40 of those under your belt, then it's a totally different thing. And you know, the yeah. example I always go back to just because I'm a musician at heart is, you know, when the Beatles came to the United States, they were a finely engineered, you know, a highly refined product. Okay. By that point, because they had played eight night or, um, uh, you know, they'd, they'd have had an extended residency in Berlin where they were playing six nights a week for for wow. years. So they 
by the time they got to the United States, the reason why it was so overwhelming is, you know, they'd already done their 10,000 hours if you're a Malcolm Gladwell yep. Uh, yep. fan. And, and there, you know, there's sure. examples of that in, in every industry. But the, the trick is that, um, you know, if you do something enough, it will become second nature. And then when you need to call upon it in a business meeting or performance or, or what have you, it's it's right there at your fingertips and you don't have to fret as much or think as much about it uh, when when you when you need to call on those skills. Absolutely. I can tell you that um, probably one of the one of the coolest examples that I got to witness firsthand was my daughter, my daughter, Willow when she was born, um, just the, the speaking thing just was not her thing. Um, my wife and, and my wife's mother could understand her when she spoke when very small, when she was two, three, when language was starting to kind of, you know, she was starting to speak. I could not. So we took her to speech classes, um, got her some help. And even when she was in kind of, um, elementary school, she still kind of, we still had to keep the the speech therapy kind of going. And we could tell, like, as she kind of got in with other kids, she started to kind of be aware of it and, and kind of self-aware of it. So she kind of she kind of closed in on herself a little bit. She kind of she kind of didn't want to talk because that would kind of let people know, like, oh, you sound different. So she stuck at it. And when she got to middle school, um, she she turned the corner on it because she really she really wanted to get better at, at, at speaking and, and, and have this you know, skill kind of, um, you know, get, get good at it. It's, it's, you need it, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, something that you can't do without. And she went into, um, an oratorical contest that the middle school had had at Harrison Morton and she ended up winning the, in her classroom. So that meant then she went to the next level. She won the grade and then she won the overall grand champion. She ended up winning a trophy that was taller than she was, but man, talk about like, for me, I, I was I was um, just it was so inspirational to watch that because knowing what she had had come from and she just kept working at it, you know, she just did. She just didn't give up. And um, she ended up kind of um, now she she spoke at her high school graduation uh, at, to to a crowd of maybe 5000 people at the PPL arena when she graduated from Deerhoof. And she she totally crushed it because, you know, she 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 put that time in. So it's going to be cool when she starts to go into the workforce and she has to give a talk or give a speech or, or present to a client, she's going to be fine and she's going to be ready and she's ready for it because she put the time in, you know, it's all about putting the time in and creativity. You know, it's, it's right there. It's the fuel. It's the fuel that, that, that you're going to need in order to, to drive that stuff, drive those new ideas, drive that innovation, drive the environment in, in your company. And it's just such a powerful, powerful tool that, um, I, I just, I love being a part of it. I love being, working in it, working with it, seeing, seeing it, how it can kind of, um, evolve and, and change people really change people's lives and, and their businesses. It's, it's just really well, cool. As, as we, as a, econ- as an economy make less and less things, and transition sure. more, you know, really the the landscape has shifted much more to a, an economy of ideas and, you know, intellectual, as a result, intellectual properties has yes. really become, 
you know, it used to be just a thing that big corporations worried about or, you know, movie studios or major artists. But, but now that, you know, for example, you know, you, you can have a viable business running a YouTube channel. And if you create content, you own the copyright, you know, you have to know, you've got to know how all that stuff works so you can protect you know, your content is, sure. is your product. You know, you may not be building a better mousetrap anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the, you know, the economy, the idea economy, I guess I would call it is, is will probably only get to be more and more prevalent uh, in the future. I would think. Yeah. Well, I mean, Richard Florida wrote a pretty famous book. It's, it's been in the, in the, the field 10 years now, but it was, um, he wrote a book about the rise of the creative class. And one of the things that, that he talks about in there is uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes, which is ideas are the currency of the new economy. And that's just exactly what you just, what you just talked about right there. Ideas are the currency of the new economy. And, you know, that's, that's, that's where we're going. You know, we've, we've gone through the, the industrial revolution. We've gone through the agricultural revolution and we're in a conceptual age now, you know, the age of creative intensification. I mean, you can you can feel it. It's it's everywhere. It's it's all around us. And companies that that recognize that and and can tap into that and set those environments up for that um, to flourish will survive and will do better. And you don't have to be Apple or Google. You know, you can set those environments up in smaller companies in smaller agencies. Um, but the only company I would say you probably wouldn't want to set up a creative environment would be an accounting firm. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to get too creative with your else, books because then <laughs> I don't, you don't want a creative accountant. No. That's right. the one that would probably be the one area where I would say creativity has no place. Um, but for everyone else, ha- you know, it's, it's there. It's, um, it's, it, and, and I love the thing that, that, that Ken Robinson, who's, who's trying to kind of reform you know, how we, how we teach our kids, you know, through, through education, um, also said about, about creativity said, if you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with anything original. And I think of how many bosses, you know, they just, they always, they, they kind of have that air of like, they always have to be right. You know, no, you don't always have to be right. And in fact, if you are strong enough as a leader and you ask for help, boy, you'd be surprised how the help will come get, you know, People would love that. You know, they get in a room and say, you know what, guys, I really don't I don't have a lot of ideas on this. I, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? And then really kind of mean that, like, I want to know what you think. That's that's where you want to be. That's where creativity will will step up. And if those people that work in those companies feel protected to to, to share their thoughts, look out, look out. They're They're the ones that are going to innovate. They're the ones that are going to be um, the, the ones that, 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 that push past uh, their competition and everybody else because that environment is, is there. And it's, and it's because you, creativity will not flourish in a toxic environment. It will not. It will just die on the vine. Let's go back to your column a little bit. And, sure. you know, what have you, what lessons have you learned? I mean, I, first of all, I want to commend you because I, I read it every week and um, <laughs> it's, you. it is really tough. I don't think people understand. It's really <laughs> hard to write a weekly column and deliver something good every time. Um, and I think people just think, well, it's, you know, because there's so much content 
now, you know, sure. Um, sure. that anybody can do it. Well, actually not anybody can, can do the weekly column thing. So I, th- I think you do a really good job with it. And well, thanks. You know, what have you, what has surprised you or what have you learned in your, you know, in the course of, 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 uh, of, of writing that? Right. Right. Well, I think, you know, we kind of get in our, our, our little protective bubbles sometimes, you know, we, we, we go to the same way to work, you know, we see the same people at work. We do maybe the same kind of repetitive kind of function that we, we do at the office and you, you can kind of, boy, that does, that doesn't, that's not real good for creativity. Right. So what this column has done for me is it forced me to kind of get outside my bubble. I can't, I can't write about, you know, the people that are five feet in front of me. I have to kind of, I have to use my network. I have to kind of find the stories or find things that, that I think people would find interesting. And it's forced me even sometimes out of my shell, you know, to kind of reach out to people that, um, you know, I might not normally would reach out to. I'll give you a classic example of this. My other daughter, Autumn, graduated from Moravian this year. And it was on, it was in May and we went to the graduation. First, first person in my family to graduate from college. So kind of a big deal. I did not go to college. My wife did not go to college. My parents, her parents, this was a big deal. This was my first uh, born daughter graduating from college, except it really rained that day. I mean, it was like pouring rain, right? So they had the, they had the, um, the ceremony inside uh, the gymnasium. We had a park far away. We got soaking wet. We get there, we're sitting on hard bleachers. My umbrella broke. I'm thinking I'm gonna have to listen to 500 people's names of people I don't know. And I just found myself getting into kind of a salty place. I just was getting into this kind of like, I don't wanna be here. I lost sight of what was happening. The fact that my daughter was graduating. And then this woman got up to speak, one of the speakers, and she's one of the professors over at, at Moravian. And she asked everyone to close their eyes. And I figured, well, I got nowhere to go, so I can, I might as well do this, I'll try this. And she kind of refocused everybody. She just asked us to close our eyes and be present in the moment. It's like, just think about what you're doing here. Why are you here? Are you graduating? Are you witnessing someone that's going to be graduating? And as I had my eyes closed and I listened to this, I, it reframed my thinking. So when I opened my eyes, I was like, yeah, what am I doing? forget the umbrella. You know, it's raining. We're inside. We're not getting wet. You know, it's okay. This is a once in a lifetime moment. And it refocused me. So I reached out to her after I was the, the graduation ceremony had ended and I got back to work. I reached out to her and I said, can I come talk to you? I want to tell you the story of how I, I was at my daughter's graduation and how you helped uh, kind of refocus me. And she said, absolutely. So I went to Moravian. I sat down with her. She's a wonderful, her name is Katie Desiderio. I think she's in the business uh, administration side. She's a professor there. And she was voted to give that speech by the student body of Moravian. She, they voted her to give that talk at, um, at, at the Moravian graduation. And she's wonderful. And she's this amazing person. And just from that conversation, I got a column out of it, How to Find Sunshine on a Rainy Day. And we shared our, our stories with each other. And 
kind of developed I'm probably going to go speak to her class at some point in the in the in the in the fall she had asked about coming in and and speaking to to one of her classes and it just that's to me the cool thing about having this column is I would have never had that opportunity to kind of to kind of go do that and kind of meet her um, and talk about, you know, how she kind of what the rest of her talk was about, which was about, you know, instead of falling down, fall up. I mean, it was a lot of really cool stuff, cool information that she gave the graduates. And but that opening where she reframed everybody and it just it just was it meant everything. And it just it, that's that's kind of the cool thing is that I've my my um my bubble has been able to expand because for me now I'm always looking for the next I'm always on the lookout for a story. And it, it's kind of opened my receptors so that I'm kind of like I'm not just walking down the street now with the blunt with the with the horse blinders on, you know, staring down at my phone. I because I, I got to be thinking about what's what's next week's column going to be, you know, and then what's the following week's going to column column going to be. And it just when you start to kind of um, put yourself in that environment, be surprised how the universe provides some of these opportunities or some of these 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 ideas for stories and just put them right there and you just kind of go, oh. Okay, I'll take that one. And then you go, do you know, it. it's interesting you say that because um, I have had I've had a similar experience in that. Because, you know, because of the podcast or other things, mm-hmm. other projects that sure. I have, um, pe- cir- you know, people do materialize when you need them, <laughs> which I know sounds yes. ridiculous. But I know exactly what you mean. It happens over and over again. And I think it's just a function of, (laughs) like you said, keeping your eyes open and doing the work. I mean, I know I know a lot of people who, you know, when you know, when they were younger, um, primarily musicians, but that's just because it's my kind of heritage who were always looking for the big break. You know, someday my ship's going to come in. We're going to get discovered. Well, None of that happens unless you're out doing the work. If you're playing gigs or if you're a content creator, you have to post content to YouTube or to Instagram or to whatever Mm -hmm. your preferred channel is. And it's by doing that, that somebody that it leads to the next thing. So in the case of, um, you know, I know you have, um, your son's in, in, in acting and you know, Mm -hmm. the first, you know, the first role you get leads to the next thing and, and, and you just keep peeling the, the, you know, the layers off the onion and you just keep, you just Absolutely. keep going. I saw that with him. Sure. When he did, um, when he did to kill a mockingbird at Pennsylvania playhouse under the direction of George Miller, what I didn't realize at the time was in a wonderful play. And it was, you know, it was an incredible experience for him, but also for me to watch him in it. But what I didn't realize and I, I realize now is that cast was like a who's who of like all the best talent like in this area. I didn't know that because I wasn't in that world. Mm-hmm. But as I started to kind of like like read about them afterwards and see what they're doing, I'm like, oh, man, these people are at the top of their game and beyond some some of them in this market, but certainly in this market. And I didn't know any of them, you know, so you're you're right. It just and, and that's been that's been what's been fun for me is because, you know, I think we spend far, far too much time staring down at our phones when the real world is, is look up, it's out there. There's people out there that are doing great things that have great stories. Mm -hmm. They're fascinating. And if you're just staring at your phone all the time, you know, swiping and and stuff, you're missing it. 
you're missing it. And Hey, I'm guilty of it as well. You know, I, I can, you know, we, we get an elevator or you get, you know, anywhere you're going, you're just, you know, you got those quick couple minutes and you're flipping through, but, but the creative approach is to not, no, no, put the phone away, talk to somebody, just, just be curious. Just bring that curiosity. You know, you think about when, when, when people or kids are little kids, you know, all those questions, that curiosity, man, that's the pure essence right there of creativity. You know, wanting to know why just that, that simple why, and you said it earlier, you know, Hey, why do we do it this way? Why have we, what if we tried, Hey, do you think we could try? And it just, that's when creativity shows up and goes to work when those questions start getting asked. And if those questions don't ever get asked, then creativity doesn't show up to help, you know? The mo- yeah. I think the most dangerous phrase in any business or organization oh. is, well, this is the way we've always done it. Boom. You know, when you, that's, when you hear yep. somebody say that in a meeting, you know, oh. you have your hands full. My soul just died hearing <laughs> you just say it a little bit, you know? Because <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's it's terrible. That's the worst thing you could say. I don't even care if you're thinking that. Mm-hmm. Don't verbalize it. Just just let your inner monologue say it. Don't say that out loud. You just you just buzz killed the whole room and sent anyone that ha- that's ever gonna like say another idea ever. You just you just stopped it. You stopped innovation dead in its tracks. And I think that applies if it's a theater company. If it's a uh, a marketing services firm or, you know, any industry that you can think of right now. Um, yes. I think that is, you know, the Achilles heel of, of progress. That's a terrible metaphor, but I'll, I'll work on a better one for next time. <laughs> Cause we definitely, uh, we definitely need to do a second one of these and talk about how technologies uh, maybe sure. enhancing and maybe ruining everything at the same time. You know, there's a TED talk in there somewhere, <laughs> I think, Brian. Yeah. Oh, I really do. I really do. I would, and I work for a technology company. So, yeah. So that's an interesting dichotomy. You know, I mean, I'll tell you a funny quick story. Please. I wrote a column. I wrote a column titled Be Anything But Mediocre. And what the morning call has been doing is that the column mostly runs online. It runs online every week. And every so they, they've actually started a print edition now that runs on Sundays. So it's a rotating column, and and what they'll do is when they have the space, they'll they'll bring in you know potentially bring in one of my columns on the front page, and this column happened to to be to run on the on the front page of the of the the paper uh, Leah Valley Business Cycle, and it was titled "Be Anything But Mediocre," and I was sitting at my my son's soccer game after the column came out, and I got an email from someone that said, "Where were you? Read your column. Where were you when I was?" Uh, producing television commercials for Procter and Gamble as the creative director at Saatchi and Saatchi. And I was like, I had to like step away from the phone and kind of like go back to the phone and kind of, did I just, did I just read that yeah. right? Creative director at Saatchi and Saatchi. That's, and, and, and for those of you not in, in that business, <laughs> they, they are a heavy hitting design firm. Uh, a global, right. it's global. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and turns out their former creative director, Mr. Stephen Vengrove, is living in Bethlehem, retired. And I am and he said, long story, but I'm living in Bethlehem and I'm retired. But I just wanted to tell you I loved your column. So I got on I immediately returned that email. I said, we have to meet. I met him um, two weeks later. We had lunch at the Hotel Bethlehem. And what a fascinating guy. 
Oh my God. It was unbelievable. It was like the best, I'll put it in your world. It was like two old jazz music musicians, like meeting up for the first time and just being able to finish each other's sentences, yep. mm-hmm. you know, just like, Hey, did you ever play the, yeah, I played there. Did you know? Yeah. Yep. And like just, it was just that simple and easy. And we've become friends now. We've, we've met several times after and he's just a fascinating guy. And just from that column, he read that column. And I guess he said, he said, you know, your column woke things up in me that were, I thought were long dormant. And when I read that, you kind of stirred them up. <laughs> I stirred them up. So see if you only, just, you only reach that one, you know, there's that one person you, you, uh, you reach, then it makes it all worth it. You know, whether you never, absolutely, whether you, whether you know all of your readers or, or, or none of your readers, you get those kinds of, uh, pieces of feedback once in a while. And you're like, yeah, okay, this is why I'm doing this. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was a good one. That one, that one, I float, I think I floated out of the hotel Bethlehem after that <laughs> conversation. Cause when we got to the end of it, we shook hands and he kind of held on my hand a little longer than normal. And he looked me in the face and he just said, you're hired. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> thank you. Meaning, Meaning I knew what he meant because we had talked at the conversation about how I had always kind of um, wondered if I could have, mm-hmm. you know, played in that sure. world sure, or, sure. Or, or, or operated in that world because I'm pr- primarily, you know, Lehigh Valley based. And that was the acknowledgement from him, the tip of the cap, if you will, that like, I, I, yeah, you could have. So I was just like, wow, it's all I need. I was good for a thousand miles after that. <laughs> so if, so if <laughs> I want to read your column, what do I do? How do I find it? You can find it on the, the morning call, which is the morning calls website, mcall.com. And then just click on the link that they have there for Lehigh Valley business cycle. And they, they store all of them there. So the, they have an archive there. Just go down to, once you're in Lehigh Valley business cycle, go down to columnists, and then just click on William Childs and then they have, they, they've archived all of my columns and you can read all of them if you want. Outstanding. Well, we will, we definitely need to do a part two um, because <laughs> this, there's like three other threads that I, I uh, want to sure. talk to you about, but we'll never, we'll never get through them in an hour. So, uh, <laughs> but, but again, thanks very much. And everybody, uh, William Childs columnist at the morning call, mcall.com. We will link to on on the podcast page we will link to the columns so you can see bill's work and then you can uh, you know connect with him through uh through that thanks man that's anytime my pleasure Uh, i'll talk to you soon thanks for listening to creative confidential to get future episodes subscribe on itunes or follow us on soundcloud or stitcher or visit us on the web at creativeconfidential.net.